Hi, everybody. My name is Kara McCarran, and I'm the host of She's the Owner podcast. On this podcast, we're going to be featuring female founders who are at any part of their entrepreneurial journey. We will ask them the same 10 questions and see where the conversation takes us. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining me. It's Kara here on the She's the Owner podcast, and um, we've got another amazing woman to come on the show and tell us a little bit about her business. So if you could just welcome Diana Prom with, um, let me just get it right here, Your Adventure RX um, to the show. And um, how's it going? Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Wicked. So we're just going to kind of, you know, I, I always ask the same 10 questions, but, and I say this at the top of every show, we just sort of let the conversation go wherever it goes. Um, and like when we just chatted, you know, I, I love raw honesty. You can swear if you feel like it. We have an E rating on the podcast, so we're not going to get into any trouble. Um, but just, you know, I always love having these really raw conversations with each other because I think it's so important to make sure that other female entrepreneurs are getting a real dose of what it's like out here and the good, the bad and the ugly. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your company and how you started it, why you started it, and uh, we'll go from there. Okay. Well, my company name is called Your Adventure RX. It kind of evolved over the years, but uh, it kind of was a brainchild of mine years ago when I was in a, a ladies like mentorship group, so to speak, or a networking group. And I had been wanting to start retreats for women um, who wanted um, to just get them empowered in doing things they never thought they could do through um, therapeutic recreation and outdoor recreation. Uh, by doing activities like rock climbing or paddling, uh, hiking or biking, things like that. Um, I had established some veteran programs for an organization I used to work for, and we did a women-specific one, and they were just so powerful that I wanted to continue that trend. And that's where it started from. How long have you had the the company? How How long ago did you start? Officially, about through going on when 2016, going on three and a half years ago. Nice, very good. And do you love it still? It's, you sound yeah. passionate about it, so you must still love it. <laughs> yes, I do. I love it. I I just love being in the outdoors, and I love um, watching the transformation in women when they actually get out there and do things that they were super afraid to do, um, or maybe they didn't think they could do because they were you know, self-imposing blocks of like, I'm too big or I'm too this, or I'll never be able to do that, or I'm going to look like a fool or whatever it is, excuses that people make to not do things. Right. And so when they release those blocks, it's really fun to see that transformation. And there's a lot of metaphors that come out in the recreation that we do uh, in, in terms of life and resilience and all that kind of stuff. So it's really fun to kind of transpose all that, the things that they learn on like say the water or whatever, when they learn how to paddleboard that they can bring into their personal lives and their business, you know, their professional lives, things like that. So when you were younger, what did you want to be when you were were thinking, Hey, this is what I'm going to do when I'm older. (laughs) I went through a lot of transformations, but the biggest one was I was really little. I always wanted to be an actress and I used to dance around and (laughs) funny enough. Interesting. (laughs) Um, 
not what people would expect, but yeah, I was always like, I'm going to be an actress. And yeah, so that's what I wanted to be. And then that changed multiple times over the years, but yeah. It's interesting. Um, we've had a couple of guests who said they wanted to be vet, like a veterinarian. And mm-hmm. that always interests me because I find well, like, it, and it's usually, I think it was the coaches that said that. So they end up, they end up help. I mean, you're helping people also, but it's, um, I, I think being around animals really empathetic, it's an empathetic state. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I was, so I was sort of expecting you to say that, but actress, I think that that's, you have to have <laughs> such a keen sense of empathy to be an actress too. Um, so it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, when I went into my profession, my background is working pretty heavily in adaptive outdoor adaptive sports, okay. uh, working with people with disabilities and that kind of, tra- I, I went back to school in 03 to do that, um, through some personal, you know, growth, um, I wanted to do that. And so people never really thought that I had the patience for that. And it is astounding where I find that patience to work with that population. I unfortunately got a little bit burned out and don't do it full time anymore, but, uh, it, yeah, I don't know. Everybody was like, I can't believe you do that. I'm like, I don't know where it comes from, but it's, (laughs) it's there. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) It's there and it's fun. And I guess it's just, for me, it's that challenge of, making things work for people you know if you don't have a limb like okay well what do you have to work with and that's kind of how that's what I take it like well okay so maybe you're a little bit bigger so how can we work around this you know or whatever it is you know whatever it is that you might be dealing with well I think too when you're serving another human that's where that patience comes from right and I think Mm -hmm. once you get into the heart of what you're doing for them when you see them and they can't do something that you could easily do and you have to figure it out. I think that's where that the empathetic side of things comes out because it's, you know, you're, you're totally serving somebody else's needs and not your own. And I, I, cause there's a lot of times when I think, Oh, I couldn't do that. I wouldn't have the patience for that. But then when I'm in a serving mind frame of helping my fellow man, woman, whatever, it does change. So um, yeah, it's interesting. So how old were you when you realized like how long you, you said your company's three and a half years old. Is that when you, realized, Oh, I'm an entrepreneur or was it long before that? Did you struggle with that concept or did you always think I'm an entrepreneur? I'm doing this so I can eventually have my own company. Uh, I didn't think I was going to be an entrepreneur. I, I just knew that I wanted to do my own thing and run the programs the way I saw fit um, down the road uh, and then do it for myself. That's kind of where, where the, um, the business mindset started. Um, and that was probably years ago, but it didn't really work until about three and a half years ago. I had to start a business for the job I was doing in Texas. It was a contracting job working with uh, people with disabilities one-on-one. And so I just made it work so that I was doing that on top of taking out women, doing the stuff. So I just formed a whole LLC kind mm. of like proactively knowing that I wanted to do that. And I, this job was going to give me that flexibility and ability to do that. So. so do you view it? Do you view yourself an entrepreneur now? Yes, I do. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm working Cause on you it. are. So what, what's your, <laughs> I keep say, I keep forgetting that I am and that I am actually running a business. Right. And I'm like, Oh, like you're in charge today. Like get up and do something. <laughs> yeah. It's not always easy. That is for sure. So did you have like a full-time job for someone else prior to this? Or did you like, what was, 
where were you, where did, like, do you ever do a corporate job or anything like that? The majority of work that I have done over my time has been for nonprofit. Okay. Uh, nonprofits that were in the, just like the, the adaptive sports realm. And so I worked really heavily in that industry and became kind of a leader in, in that realm. And then I felt like I pigeonholed myself into a field that was kind of abusing my body too much. And I right. needed to back away from that. And so, um, cause you know, with, with adaptive skiing and some of that stuff, you know, carrying around that the skis and then, you know, having to lift people and all that stuff was just fine when I was young and strong. And then I was just, as I got older, I was like, man, I can't do this anymore. My back hurts. Like right. it's awkward positioning. Um, you know, and then I, you know, we'd, we'd broke in all the young, the young college dudes and girls to do all that mm-hmm. <laughs> right. after a while. Let the youngins then, do it. Yeah. And then I wanted to change to kind of, you know, broaden my horizons. And this was the way that I, I saw to do it. So scariest thing about it is, is the mindset stuff. I think one of the, that's one of the biggest things is, is to try to stay in the abundance mindset and not slip back into scarcity. Cause that will kill a business every time. Like no matter how good, in my opinion, I mean, I've been in business a long time, but no matter how good the mechanics look, if my mind isn't a scarcity mindset, I will, shit will hit the fan every time because subconsciously something's going to happen. That's going to take me back to that scarcity mindset. And so until I figured out really how to go out of that and stay in abundance and recognize when I started to slip into the scarcity mindset, that's when things changed and people, I think, and I love that you brought it up because people don't realize that that's a thing. Like if you're always looking for, the cheapest thing to cheapest way to do something, or you're always afraid to spend money on the business or you're afraid like that will affect the outcome for sure. And, you know, a lot of people will say, well, I, if I look at my bank account, my, my ex-partner was that way. He's like, I'd say, I want to go and do this event for the content company and go, yeah, but we don't have the money. And I go, okay. But every time I say, I'm going to go do a trade show or something that's going to help us with the, with growing the business, I always figure it out because my mind is abundance around that topic. So I may not have the 10 grand sitting in my bank account right this minute to go and spend it on that show. But if I commit to the outcome and I know that outcome is going to do something good for the company, I'll figure it out. And, and if, yeah, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's a, I think it's one of the backbones of it. Investment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you look at it like an investment, then it's, you can get out of that scarcity mindset. I just went to a, a conference on nature's medicine and I, I couldn't, I didn't want to afford it. And I went there and it actually brought me out of my little tunnel vision that I was in. And I feel like, you know, the world opened up even more than it, than it had been. And so it's sometimes it's worth spending a little bit of money. You know, if you know that return is going to come back to you. So on that, how did you, so you, you said you didn't really want to afford it. So what made you decide just to pull the trigger and go anyway? Like, what was your mind? Because I, I knew, yeah. uh, I, I knew that I would, honestly, I, I just thought, uh, so I've been trying to incorporate that theme of nature as medicine, like the outdoors and nature as medicine. And I knew that it would be beneficial. And there was some context, there was some program going on there. Like the guy who wrote the book on uh, forest therapy was there and leading a trip or leading a, a walk. And then, and I had always been curious about it. 
And then there was some stuff on Parks RX program. So I wanted to start using that in my programming as well. So there was a lot of things that I knew that I could incorporate into my business. And it was really interesting because I did learn a lot about marketing to like physicians and things like that. And uh, looking at um, just ways that I can market my business and mm-hmm. not necessarily ways that I had thought about before. Right. And so, he, you know, there were some great ideas that I took away from there. I had a lot of blocks this year because I moved back to Montana and within the surrounding Bozeman area, you need a forest service permit to charge people to take, to basically take them out, guide them, whatever it is. And so if you don't, and there's only so many permits, there's limited permits. And so I was getting this block of like, I couldn't take people out right, and charge money for it um, legally. And, but you know, if you have to pay for liability insurance and all these, like, you know, the, the time to set it up and all that stuff, the financial, it doesn't, it doesn't compute financially. And so I was really irritated and I talked to a lot. There was like some of the the heads from the National Forest Service and BLM lands there from DC. So I had some really good conversations with them about how I can navigate that and getting some permits or working right. around that system and, and, and working locally and, and like how to, you know, potentially gain a permit um, or how whatever needs to happen. And so mm-hmm. that was really beneficial. Um, and so it was in the end, it was worth it. Right. And it sounds like you followed your intuition in going. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, right. th- that's one of the pillars we talk about with she's the owner is that feminine um, energy. Cause that's, that's part of our feminine energy is the intuition. And just when we have that nudge internally, we go, even though the mind mm-hmm. or, you know, some will call it the masculine energy. will say pragmatically, this doesn't make sense. But in the mm-hmm. end, I think if we listen to our intuition, and I, I always say that if it's an absolute, if it's not an absolute, yes, it's a no. And I quiet my mind down and I just listen to my body and like on, on all decisions when I, when, and every, every time, every single time my body had said no, and I did it anyway, I was like, dang it. What the hell? Yep. Why did I just I do that? <laughs> it's like a hundred percent of the time I'm like, shit, I did it again. Um, (laughs) so so what's been one of the greatest lessons you've had so far? I know you're, you're a young, young to entrepreneurship, but, um, what was, what's, give me one thing that you've so far seen as the greatest lesson of, of the journey so far. Oh, there's been many, but I think it's just not giving up and not, um, like continuing to believe in myself and that the, that, that, you know, the business will come. <laughs> yeah. Because I wanted to give up almost every day of the summer when I just was like getting blocked every which direction I turned and I was like ready to give up. And I was just like, I can't, I'm so irritated right now. Right. Like, so, and that was, I think that's been the biggest lesson for me and just taking a step back. Uh, so I, you know, obviously I'm your adventure RX system too, because I'm a big adventurer. And so I went on a month long road trip and, found, you know, just took a step back from my business. I didn't do anything with it. I let it all go and um, took a huge step back with it. And coming out, you know, with I went to my National Therapeutic Rec Conference and did some adventuring and, and then this other Nature's Medicine Conference. I mean, it like opened my horizons again. And I was like, okay, I've refreshed energy. So I think that would be the next big lesson is just not giving up, but also giving yourself and allowing that time to like take a step back and refocus even if things aren't working out and figuring out how to navigate that next 
maybe a little different path than what you are on. Yeah. And and I, and that happens to all of us. I my my other company is a content writing company and I've ne- I started that company with my then husband and I was not I'm not passionate about writing content. I don't do it. I have a team that writes. I'm passionate about business and about how we do content. But it's the same like there's multiple times in a year where I'm like, you know what, fuck this. I'm done. I'm going to go work at Starbucks. And then I remember I'm probably not smart enough to work at Starbucks because those people know how to do the most insane things. I know what I order and I feel like it's pretty complex. And then I'm like, well, shit, I can't go work at Starbucks. So I better keep going because those are my options right now. And, but we all like, and I'm six years into that company and 20 years entrepreneur. And I still, even this week, I've had time when I'm like, oh man, really? But for me, the thing that drives me repeatedly is the fear of regret. So in 20 or 30 or 60 or 70 years from now, when I look back, am I going to be proud that I gave up? Hell no. And for me, that's the biggest push is that feeling. I can feel it in my stomach when I think about being pissed that I gave up on it. And But recognizing exactly what you said, like I'll take a day off and I will do nothing with either company and just chill. And that's, I find the time when, you know, when you become resourceful again, but again, that exercise is going back into your feminine energy. Like it just is. It's when we're intuitive and we're creative and compassionate and we're slower. We're not in this hunter mode. And I, I find that if you give yourself that permission to take a couple of days and, and if, for, if it's a month for you, it's a month for you. But for like, if you take that time you will get into the state of being more resourceful and then figuring out what, what you need to do about the problem you just thought you walked away from. And I think it's mm-hmm. super important that we all say it's okay to do that and then actually do it. Because if you if we look up and look around at our male counterparts even, they're, you know, it's all about this hustle, 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 24-7, 24-7. It's like, it's not realistic. We can't, you know, right. you, you got to slow down sometimes to see through the weeds. Um, so yeah, you really, really do. What does that feminine and masculine energy mean to you? I mean, and it means something a little different to everyone, but like I said before, for, for me, um, a friend of mine, Jasmine put it really easily. So it's either I'm in hunter mode or I'm in gatherer mode. They're both necessary for sure. Um, but that's sort of how I sum it up. So what is it, what does it mean to you? <laughs> I like the hunter gatherer. It's, it's interesting because I haven't really given this much thought until probably the last four to five months, the the feminine, maybe the last year, the masculine and feminine. And I realized that everything that I have done, my, my sign is Sagittarius. So I'm actually a hunter Mm. (laughs) by my sign and I'm also a fire sign. And so I have always been go, go, go with lots of fire, lots of energy. Right. And, um, and so I never really embraced the feminine all that much, you know, and especially being into outdoor sports. Right. I'm always hanging out with the boys and it's a boy's world and, or, you know, man's world, whatever. And I've always felt like I've just had to, you know, keep up and, you know, cause I'm very competitive too. So I was like, well, I, you know, I love adrenaline. And so I was always out doing these crazy things and, um, so yeah, the fe- the masculine feminine, the feminine has just been like, I think that I've gotten a slap in the face in the last year. Now I'm starting to learn is that that slowing down kind of what you were talking about, taking time to honor myself and and um, not be so out there hardcore um, running after stuff. Yeah. 
and just letting things be um, and letting things kind of come to me. It's tricky though. It is tricky, especially like I would say I live more in the masculine side personally as well. And um, it's, it is an exercise in (laughs) conscious behavior (laughs) to shut my mouth and chill out a little bit and be softer. And Mm -hmm. it's easy with my kids, but, and I think that's where I started to see the problem and why I started this whole movement was because I started to talk to them like they were a freaking business associate. And my kids, like I have four daughters and three of them are adults. And then I've, and the 10 year old, but there's times when I'm like, holy shit, I'm acting like I'm in a boardroom. That's not cool. And they're not going to talk to me if I'm like that, if I'm transactional about everything. And, um, and so I, and I'm single too. And I'm new to like, I'm new to the dating scene. I was married for 20 years uh, or almost 20 years. And same thing, like men don't really love a super masculine woman coming at them, right? Like (laughs) you need to just like calm the shit down a little woman, but yeah, so I get it. Um, so you talked a little bit about being, feeling too far in your masculine. So, um, and really recognizing that. So that's beautiful. Thank you. I, I absolutely appreciate that. Um, so what do you, what are your thoughts on personal development as a whole and why? I mean, obviously you're in a space that you're trying to help people develop and, and get through blockages and, um, you know, provide them with new mindset tools, et cetera. But tell me a little bit about what your, your thoughts are around that, that topic. Um, I love personal development, but again, I love challenges. So I think I've always just been proactive on that part. Um, you know, it's like going after certifications and all that kind of stuff and, you know, within my industry and whatnot, uh, So, and then I also listen to a bunch of podcasts and all that that sort of thing about how to be a better person per se, or how to communicate better, whatever it is. I just, I'm all for it. And I think that's why I like to empower people because I know that people have the power to do things that they don't think they can do. And I know that especially women, we get in our heads so much Mm -hmm. that I love trying to pull people out of their heads and getting them to do things or, you know talking them into doing something crazy or fun or whatever it is we're, we're doing. So I love that personal development. So who do you look to for your coaching? Cause we, you know, coaches and um, people that are in, in your space need someone to help them too. Like, do you have, do you believe in, in having an actual sort of business coach or life coach? Do you, who do you look to, to inspire and keep you in check? Yeah, I've actually been in the market for another business coach. I had one for a while that helped when I first started. Um, and then I think I just needed to move a different direction with, um, I, well, actually I had a, another one of my mentors that I used to work with kind of took over for her. And so we were trying to build some stuff. And so I either look to her or other people. Um, I have a couple people that I, um, do like accountability with, we've been meeting every week and calling ourselves out on our shit. And nice. that's been a really, like, that's been, I think really helpful. It's mostly just kind of like having some, cause when you're an entrepreneur, I work from home a lot and right. so I don't get to like, you know, get out. And so when I meet with her, it's kind of like talking, you know, having like a, a coworker to talk with, just talk things out and like, be like, okay, no, you, you know what I mean? Like yep. just to get advice from others. Yeah. So masterminds really are helpful. huge. Yeah. And, and accountability groups, masterminds, all that stuff is, um, I couldn't survive without it either. And I think that's, 
you know, even people, when I say that I work remote for my first company, they're a bit surprised because there's, we have about 20 writers and a, a few other people. And I'm like, no, I still work solo by myself at home. I don't need to sit in a room with all the writers. They're all across the country. So, but it, if you don't have that soundboard, sounding board, somebody that you can reach out to, it um, it can be extremely lonely. And I mean, I'm, I'm not sure how old you are. I'm 43. So I remember the days before working from home was cool. And if you worked from home, many businesses wouldn't do business with you because you were too small time, you know, Mickey Mouse kind of idea. Right. And now it, there's multi-million dollar companies who have absolutely have work from home options for their staff. Um, and part of that is you can offer the savings to clients in a lot of cases, right? Like I don't have overhead, so I can offer really good pricing. But the downside to it is exactly that. What you're saying is the loneliness and, you know, don't have anybody to chat with on your breaks or go for lunch with. So I think it's really important, you know, first to blast the idea that you can't be uber successful and work from home because that's just not true anymore. And two, to be really conscious and see people on purpose throughout the week because if we don't stay connected to one another and that's part of the community I'm, I'm trying to build here with she's the owner is you know like making sure that we're all having these honest conversations like I woke up and I did not feel like putting my clothes on today I wanted to work in my jammies from bed I can still be productive but at least I'm not you're not feeling like shit because you did the same thing I can be like yo Diana did you how are your jammies today good yeah me too but there's this still this like thing we try to hide yeah. like we're not really doing that, but we are, and it's okay. Yeah. I mean, not every day, but it's okay, right? So, yeah, I yeah. Um, I love that. So, last question: How do you get into your feminine energy um, when it's a conscious thing that you're, you know, maybe you're feeling like you've been too much in that hunter mode and you want to get more into the softness of, and be more of a gatherer? Is there? Do you have any? I mean, for me, uh, ironically, it's getting into nature. I as soon as I take my dog for a walk or I go to the lake and I hear the waves crashing. Music is a really big one for me. What are some of the ways that you get into your feminine energy when, when you know you need to? Yeah, I, you know, I'll do some nature stuff, but typically when I go in nature, I'm usually getting into bro mode. Um, right. Oh, I like that. Or something. I'm writing that one down. <laughs> bro mode. That's amazing. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, I, and I'll do, I love going on nature hikes. I mean, obviously that's kind of what I'm trying to promote. So I wouldn't promote it if I didn't love it. And I didn't think it was powerful. I think, um, it also helps in just, oh yeah. So for me, um, uh, I'll, I'll like put a little bit of makeup on cause I don't really wear makeup when you're working in the outdoors. Like it's really not, you know, you have to be, um, what is it? Fashionable over functional. So I right. have to be functional, but I try to be cute. And sometimes I'll put a little makeup, makeup on or whatever, but, or I'll take a bath. Um, I, I like to take baths at night or, um, just sit with a book, um, and just have quiet time. Yeah. Is what I typically do. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's not hard when we're intentional about it, right? Like it's just, again, just making the time to realize you need to slow down and, and actually do the slowing down part. But yeah, well, that is, that is it for my questions. Um, I so appreciate you coming on. Um, it's always, you know, it's always kind of a challenge when you don't get to meet the people in person and trying to connect really quick, but I find women connect instantly when we, when we want to. And so, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, and yeah, that's it. Have an amazing day. 
Okay. And uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah. Thank you. Alrighty. Bye. I'm excited for what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Cheers. 